Training, mindset, integrity, incremental improvement. What can you do better today? Start right here with the Pendola Project. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Pendola Project. As always, I'm your host, Matt Pendola. We are actually in our 101st episode today. So kind of a new starting point. We wanted to talk about, well, what really is in the mainstream these days, a lot of talk about how we can get our abs, our sculpted body, the, you know, the, the aesthetics that we want. And do we see abs as being fit? And that's a, that's a question that we're going to answer today. And I, if you listen to previous episodes of ours, you, you kind of know my answer already. But we kind of misled you there talking about get awesome abs now and just three simple steps. So we're going to talk about just the what gets sold to the general public out there and why. And the, the first thing that I usually hear about in those three C's is just supplements, right? So that to me just stands for crap, right? And that's, that's, the, that's the first C that I think of. And then we get sold on cardio. We got to do a lot of high intensity interval training. That's going to give us great results. If we do a little bit of hit work, we're going to burn extra calories for two or three days. And then, of course, we're looking at doing some crunches, right? As long as I'm doing lots of sit-ups, things like that, I'm going to be able to see those abs. So we're going to talk about what really works and what it is that we should be focusing on also, why are is this misleading information out there? Well, really, it just comes down to, I guess you would say, the 4C, the biggest C to most influencers, which is just cash. They just, they're trying to sell you something. They're trying to give you something that you think you need. And this is a billion-dollar industry for a reason. We need to be smarter than that, though. And we need to decide on whether or not we're going to just make the commitment, which is one of my C's, make the commitment and make better choices and just really live a lifestyle that you can continue to to live. Yeah, it's frustrating talking about the influencing situation and I myself even can fall into that that category where I look at something or you see someone posed a certain way and they just look phenomenal and you know it kind of makes you I don't say feel bad about yourself but you're like gosh, well I work really hard and I don't even look like that but the flip side of that is actually some people that, that I really admire that will come out on Instagram and they'll show you like a side by side. Like this is me just standing here. Now this is me posing for the camera and it's like a whole different image altogether. So it's easy to get caught up in seeing the the perfect picture when in reality it's nothing like that. Yeah. I mean, lighting is, is so important to get the abs to really show, for example, or the definition, the lines to really come out. But also, I mean, I don't have to tell you guys, you know, all of the tricks that are out there, um, just, you know, using on our iPhones these days, being able to use the apps to really make certain features come out or, or to define other features. And what are you seeing? Is it even real? Is it, is it even, even the way that person really looks? And, and a lot of times you'll, you'll see somebody who took just a, a very, a very specific shot, a very specific angle and the lighting's right, everything else. And, and, uh, they posted something maybe a couple of days ago and then you run into them or something, or you see another photo where it wasn't uh, photoshopped or didn't have that perfect lighting and you, you could barely even recognize that person. So, you know, that's, that's a really good, 
important thing that Aaron just brought up because we, we don't want to be fooled by that. That being said, we also want to talk about what, uh, what also does work for us, though. So, you know, these things can be dangerous, though. These, I, these ideas about taking supplements, for example, some of them can be quite dangerous, especially if you're talking about, uh, you know, taking in a lot of um, uh, caffeine or stimulants. I mean, if you have heart conditions, then that, that itself can be very dangerous. But also, just for the average person, there's that dopamine drip that you're getting uh, on a regular basis. Now, all of a sudden, you just flooded yourself with dopamine because you're giving yourself a bunch of stimulants. And you know, even if your heart can take it, even if you're able to tolerate it, does that mean that it's smart to do long-term? Well, certainly we, we don't think so. So I think it can be a, a real waste of your money, a waste of your effort, a waste of your time. And so we want to talk about what works for us. And first of all, I'll say that, uh, you know, I, I guess you would, you would look at my aesthetics and say year round that I'm generally uh, below 10% body fat, maybe somewhere around uh, 8 to 10% in general. But uh, 90% is moderation to me, and 10% of it is calculation. So what, what that really means is that if I'm within six weeks of doing a specific trail race, for example, and I, and I really, really want to be able to perform at my absolute best, I'll spend about six weeks where I'm probably am cutting out most of the things that I would normally take in moderation and not really worry about. And uh, that's just to get that little bit of extra edge. I also might take a few extra supplements. Like I might, I might get in a little bit of extra omegas, um, omega threes. I might get in some, some additional um, uh, lysine, um, things like this, um, even uh, magnesium citrate. I, I might take in those extra things during that time because I'm training extra hard and I need to recover a little bit better. But that's not year-round for me, and so uh, that's where I say 10% of the time I might be calculating a little bit more of exactly what I'm taking in and maybe consciously taking out a few extra things so that uh, I can perform at my very best. But I don't try to hold that year-round. When it just... When you said supplements, I mean, that can be a little bit confusing because we talked about crap supplements to begin with. And then you're just saying now that you actually take these supplements. So how are people to differ from what's the crap supplement versus what you were just saying, like the magnesium, the lysine, the omegas? You know, I mean, is that just something that comes with education or, you know, I'm saying someone goes to GNC or wherever and they are just given this information about what supplements to take where where do they well yeah where, first of know? all educate yourself for sure right and so th- somebody is going to try to sell you on a supplement of course they're going to just tell you all the the good things and some of those things might not even be accurate or true there's a lot of misleading information a lot of things that people kind of state as fact or absolutes where there's actually no science behind it whatsoever and, and then, of course, when you say, yeah, what's good? I mean, you could, you could have too much vitamin C could make you sick. So is vitamin C a supplement? Yeah, it can be. And can that be good for you? Yeah, of course. But do you need it? And is it in moderation? Are you going to extremes on your levels? So that's where I would say the only real way that you're going to be able to know 
if you really should be supplementing on something, absolutely would probably be to get a blood test and to get uh, those areas looked at. Like, of course, iron is a big one. You don't, in my opinion, you don't want to supplement with iron unless you know exactly how much or how deficient you are, or you might even um, realize that you're, you're, you have too high of a level of certain areas of your, uh, of your blood markers. And so there's a lot to understand about that. And that's when you should work with a professional. But step one is what you, you know, clean eating and trying to get what you need from your, from your food versus, you know, adding in any unnecessary extras that may not be helpful. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, when we talk about clean eating too, uh, you know, for example, what is clean, right? Or what is clean or dirty, right? What, what kind of mental flexibility do we have in these areas? So, you know, you, you talk to most people that eat clean and they're going to mention things like fish or chicken or egg whites for proteins, um, or brown rice, sweet potatoes, uh, oatmeal for, for carbs. And, uh, and of course, you know, they're going to be very low, on sugar, or they might even try to take in zero sugar. And we mean sugar additives there, right? So they, um, there's, there's sometimes some misconceptions that, uh, taking in fruit is bad. I'm not in that camp. I, I believe anything natural like that, uh, you definitely should get it in. I don't believe in any diets that are just going to focus on absolutes and say, well, this is the only thing you're going to take in. So that being said, um, what is clean? Well, you, you're eating clean because you, you're making good choices overall, but I'm certainly going to have, for example, I'm not, I don't want egg whites. I want eggs. I like the way eggs taste and I like bacon. So I'm going to have eggs and bacon. Now, is that clean? Well, you know, some people might argue that, uh, it's not or bread and, and butter. Is that, is that bad for you? Um, you know, I think that if you can tolerate bread, and butter. I mean, uh, fresh, uh, fresh uh, bread, baked bread, and, and some butter on it. Man, uh, there's nothing better, really. Sometimes that's that's exactly what you need to keep you on track. Or just um, even taking some whipped cream. We do that a lot, where we take uh, whipped cream and we'll put it on top of our yogurt. We put it on top of even oatmeal, things like that, and it makes it taste a little bit better. Maybe put some cinnamon on there. Anything that will help to um, improve the the quality and the texture and the taste and uh, also give you a little bit of what you're wanting and desiring so you're not feeling like you're always sacrificing because I think there's too much sacrifice a lot of times with diets and that's why they don't work. And the trick to me is that you have to find a moderation there, something that you can continue to do, something that is sustainable. And so that's really the, the concept we're talking about here. Yeah, just like we had apple pie the other day. You made, uh, you and, and Mia made me apple pie. That's my favorite. But we also use the quote unquote good crust <laughs> without the hydrogenated oils. And it's a little, it's a little bit nicer on, on the body, I think. Um, and then the apples, that's all it is. We don't add any sugar to the apples. So it really is just the crust and the apples. And like you said, you put a little whipped cream on there to, to just add a little something to it and you still feel good about yourself. Like you had something a treat, but you didn't overdo it and feel good afterwards. Yeah. And a little bit of uh, cinnamon, but when you bake that apple, the sweetness really comes out. And again, you know, we had that conversation before when I was growing up 
and my grandmother would make me apple pie. It was always like a half a pound of sugar really in, into that apple pie. And now I look back and I think, why? I mean, this, this tastes amazing, just like it is. Why do we think we need to add all this sugar to everything? Well, yeah, you even influenced my dad now because he's a baker and always baked apple pies. And I would say the last, I don't know, maybe three, four pies that he's done, he has not added sugar. And yeah, it's been great. Yeah, so we're talking about just things in moderation, but in other words, is is it okay to have, let's say, Diet Coke or 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 versus a regular Coke? And um, the answer to me is yes. I'll have Coke Zero. I I think Coke Zero is maybe something that I would have in moderation. Do you know? I'm not saying that I know absolutely that's good for you. I'm not saying it's bad for you. What I'm saying is I like it. Uh, I actually like it as much as regular Coke. So it's my choice. But you know, you could obviously we we did get uh, actually some slushies last night. So lots of sugar in that, and we we took a walk. We got some slushies. It was hot. We walked back. And again, you know, that's something to me that I don't want to deny myself or, or uh, you know, us as a family. I think it's fun to be able to do that stuff, but it's in moderation. And really, it comes down to the amount and the frequency. That's, I think, what it all comes down to. So if, if you're taking in large amounts at once or you're taking in a lot of frequency of, let's just say, Coke Zero – you know, is that going to be potentially harmful for your gut health? Well, that's that's where I don't think there's a ton of evidence yet, but there is some evidence to say maybe that's not so great for your gut health. So my answer is just moderation then. You know, once in a while, I think it's okay. And that's just my opinion. But when I look at things that way, you stop think, seeing things as good or bad. It's just, in my mind, I'm going to have mostly these choices that are fresh or that are considered to be clean fuels. And that's what I'm going to have most of the time and feel good about it when I do have something that's, you know, an off or a quote unquote bad food. Uh, I don't have to think about it that way. What I can think of it is that this is more moderate. This is less often, whereas the other foods are more often. Those healthier choices are more often. Okay, so that's the first C, the, the ones that work clean eating. And then that brings us to the next C to cardio. Yeah. And so, you know, we're talking about aesthetics a little bit more right now. So, of course, you know, we talk about abs. Abs are cooked in the kitchen. That's why we first talked about nutrition first. Don't think about the supplements so much as getting you there. Even the supplements that work a little bit more effectively, they're still not going to be some magic pill getting you all these crazy results. Don't believe that's not true. So the next part is the cardio, which, you know, cardio is, is obviously important. But I think of, again, cardio is more for your heart health, and that's the way that I choose to, to think of it. So, yeah, I'm going to be able to lose more body fat if I am simply getting in a little bit more cardio and um, watching my nutrition and it creates a deficit so that I do slowly lose a little bit of body fat, but more incrementally. And so that's, that's kind of the overall thinking or the process behind that. So this would lead to our conversation in cardio, what I would label as flexible versus rigid. And the reason why I say that is because 
if, if we have a plan to move more or to, to get out there and move more than before, that can be good uh, because we're consistent. But do we take that literally? Do we always have to move more than the day before? Do we always have to go harder than the day before? And I think that that's where, of course, eventually you're going to burn out. There's going to be a tipping point. Um, my quality days to me are every day because I put in a good quality day when I recover properly. I put in a good quality day when I'm now getting the results because I've chosen to accommodate for the stress that was involved in my training, in my adaptions and in my overall lifestyle. So that's a quality day, but hard efforts versus easy efforts is uh, maybe uh, another way to think of it. And I think it's important to think about your tasks versus your overall goal. So your tasks are like those, those mini steps and all those micro goals getting to that big goal. But the big goal can feel very overwhelming. If we remember that it's more important that we can stay consistent, we can stay on our tasks, our daily tasks. That's what's going to get us there. If we're, if we lose sight of that and we overtrain and we get injured or burnt out, we just can't sustain that pace anymore. We're, we're unlikely to reach that goal we wanted in the first place. So it takes a little bit of patience and understanding, but, uh, I'm not saying that my athletes or that I don't train hard. I know you train very hard too, but there's, there's a consistency and a time and an effort and a place for all of this. True. And the burnout factor is real and this actually I'm thinking you guys talked about this in the upcoming the special edition with Madeline regarding women's health and the the menstrual cycles and anybody that can relate to this will know what I'm saying that and I finally I don't know I'm 39 and finally just came to this realization last week when I was like when I know that it's that week premenstrual and I'm just I don't have the energy I don't have the strength why do I insist on trying to force myself to push and work at the same level that I do the other three weeks a month? It makes absolutely no sense. I end up feeling defeated. Um, you know, it, my emotions just totally drop and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just, I didn't do it this week. I just can't, I, I'm not effective. And I finally, like I said, <laughs> 39 years old, just a light bulb went off. I'm like, oh, well maybe that week I don't do that. Maybe that's my recovery week. And that's, perfectly fine. I have three weeks of consistent quality and then I have one week that's still consistent, but I can consider that my recovery week. And I think that's going to make a huge difference and um, we'll see moving forward if, if that's the, the right way to do it. Yeah. I just, I mean, I love that you brought that up because my, my favorite thing to do is basically plan for three weeks where we kind of go into more of an introduction phase and then a progressive phase and then the more of a peak phase. And, and then actually in that fourth week, I might have a day or two where I have a harder effort in there and then take the rest of the week as recovery. And I like a lot of times looking at somewhere between four and seven days on good recovery, which that's a little misleading when we say recovery. What we mean, though, is that you're paying more attention to your overall stress levels. You're making sure that your body is able to bounce back from the stress that you gave it. And the body's amazing. It, it will respond to stress as long as you give it time to adapt. And you don't want to push that process too much or too often. 
So your overall heart health, I think, is what we want to think of there. But what I've found is that if I'm doing what you're talking about, taking that fourth week and making it overall more of a taper or recovering week, then when I go into the next phase, I might actually choose that uh, first week coming back might even be my progressive week or even a peak week, depending on what I'm training for. So in other words, you ever notice when you're training that after taking a little bit of time off, you think that you should be out of shape and then you come in and you crush it. And it's because you actually needed a break that you were, you were probably teetering on overtraining and then you got some recovery and you're able to crush it. Yeah. Well, tomorrow will be a good test for that since we were on vacation last week that we did some hiking, but that I, so it kind of fell in right in line with the good recovery week where we were still definitely active daily and hiking and walking. Um, so tomorrow being Monday, the start of my next training week, um, I actually feel really good right now. So we'll see how that goes tomorrow. Yeah. It's a perfect example too of, I love to talk about hiking and walking out in nature doing that sort of thing, especially when you're on vacation. I don't want to go to the gym when I'm on vacation. I, I, we actually brought some stuff with us in case we wanted to do some, uh, some workouts in our, uh, some training in the condo we were at, but we didn't. And that was fine. We, we are training very consistently throughout the year. So, uh, just the fact that we're out there horseback riding, walking, swimming, and I got in a couple runs too, then that's, I think that's great. And we don't have to push it. Like why push that week? It's a, it's a vacation. Enjoy your vacation. You're not going to lose your abs in one week. No, you're not. And I like that you circle back to that because the aesthetics don't just come overnight and they don't go away overnight either. And so, you know, and another thing I'd like to bring up when we talked about being on vacation though, we made the choice to get a condo so we could cook our own meals and have our own food. Now, we do like to eat out a little bit during COVID. It's a little bit harder to do. In my opinion, it's not as fun, but also just in the past COVID or no COVID, we didn't really like eating out every single day, even when we're on vacation. It just, uh, it's, there's so much that they put into even foods, uh, good foods that you're not sure what's in there, how much butter is in there, how much sodium is in there. Uh, what are you actually getting in? They can be, I don't 20% off on the calories they're telling you that's actually in there. But the, you know, for me personally, I really do like to go out and have maybe even some fish and chips. But if I'm having that every single day, even on vacation, I start to not really enjoy that hike so much the next day. I feel tired and sluggish. So to me, it's a, it's a good compromise to be able to still enjoy some good food. Um, but you know, have our own version of good food when we're at the condo and be able to control that a little bit more. So, so finally, I would say with the cardio conversation here, don't fall into that idea that if you put in a hard, high intensity session, that now for the next two or three days, you're going to burn all these additional calories. We've talked about that before on this podcast it just, it doesn't work like that. You're not going to burn a thousand extra calories because you put in a hard session. And so really you need to look at overall, how much are you taking in? Are you burning more than you're taking in? If your goal is to lean up a little bit and keep it in incremental and moderate and, and moderate those calories a little bit incremental, uh, adaption. So 
150 to 250 calories for most people is enough of a change if especially if you're doing a little bit more conditioning and you're burning a little bit more calories that way and that's that's enough to make changes and then monitor that and pay attention you know document uh, if you want to looking at those things you can calculate a little bit more for you know a period of time and learn a little bit more about what works for you but um, I, I, again, I don't advise extremes. And that's also if you're trying to gain some, some mass, if you're trying to gain some muscle, things like that. A little bit of extra calories can be good, but I don't think that it's good for you to just start throwing down an extra 1,000 calories a day that you're not used to. And, and so incremental changes, I think, is the way to go. Okay, what, do you, what is your opinion on crunches? Let's talk about some crunches. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, you know, another... Uh, pet peeve of mine is just when I talk to people who are doing sit-ups every day or, or crunches, the, 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 the idea is that they are sculpting their abs. They're getting those abs to, to come out and they're getting strong. And you do want to do ab training. Just because you can't see your abs, by the way, doesn't mean that you shouldn't train them. And so it's so important just for your overall health and your foundation, right? So to have good bracing, um, good uh, stability, you definitely need to have good, strong abs in the framework around that, which is going to be, of course, the obliques, okay, the erectors in your lower back, et cetera, um, and your ability for your butt and gut to work together, right? And that's, that's kind of more of what I call spinal tap. So with... With this whole adaption that you're trying to get between your butt and your gut for your bracing and your breathing and to have overall good stability for your spine, that is, I think, imperative just for long-term health, postural health, and looking at your ability to move, uh, not only now, but uh, when when you're older and, and being able to move more that so much of that comes down to pain, right? If you're not in pain, you're going to be able to move more. And so why do people tend to lose results or age rapidly? Because they're in pain and they can't move without being in pain. And so they move less and then they age more or they get in, into even more pain because they're doing nothing to um, give their body a stress or an ability to adapt and stay strong or get strong. So we want to really pay attention to that bracing and breathing. And if you want to learn more about that, certainly you can look us up and go, go to our newsletter, check out some of our old articles that we've written up on bracing and breathing. Very important adaptions there. And that's the first thing in the hierarchy, something that I think you should work on every single day. And then, of course, with your abs, we're looking at three main sections, and that's the lower abs, the obliques, and the upper abs. Now, it's all connected, but this is the way I think of it, is that your lower, your lower abs, that's where you're trying to show your butt when you're doing a lower ab movement. And you start off with that first because, obviously, it's a more intense movement. You need a little bit more attention, focus, and uh, intentional uh, technique for getting those lower abs to really do their job and without breaking through your back or, in other words, losing control of that position. So that's always first to me. You work on those lower ab movements first. And so if I'm doing something as simple as laying down on the ground, my back to the ground, 
and then I'm pushing my hands down into the ground, lifting my butt up so you can see my butt, right? And then even sweeping my hands under under my butt while keeping my lower back pressed into the ground. That is a great way to just recruit those lower abs as opposed to letting that lower back arch, for example, and losing that that stability and that control. And now all I'm really doing is drawing a lot of attention to like my hip flexors, maybe um, some abs, but not as much as I intended. Uh, And I can, of course, advance something like that to doing, say, hanging abs uh, with windshield wipers, let's say, with the same intention of if I'm hanging in front of the mirror in the gym, I want to show my butt in front of the mirror. I want to be able to see my butt in that movement when I can no longer have my my butt up and be able to hold that position, then I'm done with, with those uh, reps. And that's why a lot of times with any movement, really, I don't give reps. I just think about more quality. And so it might be a certain amount of time that I know I can hold with good quality, uh, but I don't want to rush the reps. So a lot of times I actually try to make it much slower and really get in good quality reps, focusing on my breathing. And I would say on the breathing side of things, breathing out and really getting that strong breath out, that's a part of it, but also remember to cinch in. So like when your belly is about to hit that cold water and you want to, you want to cinch that belly button in a little bit more, that's the last step while you're breathing out. So don't just breathe out, but cinch in when you breathe out, if, if that makes sense, hopefully it does. And then the next thing that I like to work on is more of the obliques, which is, that is the framework for your, your abs, right? So in other words, you want to be able to really see your abs with good, strong obliques. You're also going to be able to kind of set that frame around that picture, if you will. And that's just the aesthetic side of it. More importantly, your obliques, your serratus anterior, which is a part of that complex, um, those muscles there oftentimes do get undertrained and so important to be able to control rotational stability and mobility, those type of things. So again, I think of it more for overall health, but yes, it also sets up for better aesthetics as well. So something where you are turning on and rotating But what I think of it is your lower back still wants to have good stability when you turn and rotate. So I really make sure that while I'm doing, say, bicycle abs or something like that, that I am rotating through my upper thoracic and I'm actually thinking about how I'm pulling with my opposite oblique as I rotate. And so I actually really will go slow enough with my athletes where they can feel that process happen and do slow, like torture twist kind of movements, we call them. And that has an amazing uh, adaption and process to uh, their performance and rotational movements. But everyone needs that. And then finally, I would get into more of the upper abs. And so I think of it more as doing curl-ups instead of crunches. But again, that's where you're just, if you think about going in the opposite direction and letting your ribs flare with your back arched, now take your hand, put it on your lower back, feel that arch, take your other hand, put it on the top of your ribs. Now start to pull those ribs down while you're pressing your lower back out against your other hand. And you'll feel 
that position, what it should feel like. That's a curl up. And uh, you can do that in general. You can do that last in this hierarchy because that's actually a much easier thing to accomplish for, for most people because you're not now pulling your entire leg weight, your, your entire lower body weight in that movement. And of course, there's a lot of movements that combine all three or can. So you just like any exercise in the gym, that's more complex or more of a compound movement. If you're going to do a movement, that's a bit harder, like say those hanging uh, windshield wipers I mentioned before, you want to do that when you're more fresh and when you have more ability to perform that movement first, but maybe hold off to do just the curl ups on the ground last. So you can burn it out a little bit if you want to, but without risk, uh, risking losing your performance or your control of that movement. Yeah. For me, the bracing and breathing is extremely important. I have a pretty severe anterior pelvic tilt and I have for, I don't know, probably my whole life. I mean, well, you were a professional dancer. Yes. Um, never really focused much on correcting that imbalance. But again, as I've gotten older and I've had a baby and bodies change and I, really, really have to focus on my hip position all the time, but specifically like going through the lower oblique upper ab series that you're just talking about there. Um, I really focus or need to focus mostly for me. The lower is, is the hardest one for me to activate and keep in position. Um, but I know when I don't, that can lead to some back issues and it's something silly that, you know, I just bend over to pick something up doesn't have to be anything heavy and if I'm not breathing or bracing properly or I've been lazy with my positioning um, that can flare my QL up and then it's a couple days of me kind of hobbling around and trying to get back into position so it is so much easier just to daily you know consistently just you know five minutes of some ab work and that tends to to help immensely. I love that you brought that up to finish up this episode because Again, I think a lot of people would just think you don't have those kind of problems or even those body image type of issues. Because I know when your hips are anteriorly rotated and you've kind of lost that position, you haven't focused as much on your posture, your breathing, or done your, we dub it as Lou abs, right? So lower oblique, upper, you haven't done that work in a couple or a few days, then you don't actually um, feel as good overall i know that it's a little bit tougher on even with your body image even the way you see yourself in the in the mirror whereas all it really is is a postural correction and then you say oh wow i actually really like the way that my my uh, abs look now right yeah mia will make fun of me because she'll look at your abs and she can count your you know she actually goes and counts and then she looks at me and she's like oh well maybe i see one or two (laughs) but when I stand, like you said, when my posture is the way that it should be, then you can actually, yeah, I kind of have some abs. And again, that's not the point. It just, I do, I do feel better when I'm not being lazy with my posture. And, you know, it's kind of like the posed versus the not posed that we were talking about initially. And yeah, when I'm lazy and just kind of my hips are back and terrible and, you know, and then I don't feel as good. So it's, it's just, it is pretty simple. We kind of joke, but the three C's, I mean, consistency is one of them. And it is pretty simple if you can just make it a three to five minute effort every day. 
Yeah, and that that overall story you just shared, I think it's great because, again, what it circled back to is that you want to keep yourself out of pain. And even though you are in incredible shape, if you're not staying on top of those things, um, then you can be more vulnerable to uh, getting out of alignment and having some back pain. And so that's something that most people deal with, including myself. And so that's why I've really made that commitment to doing daily uh, work there, especially through my my spinal tap that we've described here work. But it's not a lot of work. And I think that that's a good way to finish this is, guys, work, I'm talking about roughly five minutes a day that I will spend doing uh, this type of work. And, yeah, maybe on certain days I'll put a little bit more time and effort in because, uh, you know, my training dictates it. But in general, it's about five minutes a day, and it keeps my back nice and healthy and strong as well, which with my history, that's also necessary. So I, I hope this helped you guys today. We, we really wanted to clear up some things here. And I think just finally, I'll remind everybody that if you don't see your abs and you're never going to, because that's just not part of your why, that's absolutely fine. Obviously, seeing abs does not define fitness. It really does not. And and so some people have the genetics to be able to have lower body fat and see that stuff. Some people will make the choice that they want to work uh, really hard and make the sacrifices to see their abs. And that's fine too. Okay. What works for you at all? comes and, and is it important enough for you? But whether you can see your abs or not, you should be working on them because it does help with your overall back health and that will keep you moving well for years to come. So what it really comes down to, to just wrap everything up, um, if you can just these simple rules to keep in mind, the clean eating, the cardio, but the right cardio for you, not necessarily hit training all the time like we talked about, and the core four. So those were the Lou abs, the lower oblique and upper, if you can keep those three rules and do them consistently that's going to be the overall best thing you can do for your to get your awesome abs now yeah and get your bracing and breathing in order and just give yourself permission not to be perfect i i don't think that we should be trying to be perfect and you'll be able to commit to this long term if you allow yourself some mental flexibility some physical flexibility as well get it Yes. Okay. Thank you guys so much. Um, Check out our episode 102 that will be coming out this Thursday with Dr. Madeline Hardaker part two talking about all things uh, women's health. It's going to be a great informative episode for everybody, female and male alike. Yeah, she was awesome. Can't wait. All right. Thanks so much.